Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the PI Programs team at Vizient. I'm Courtney Furrow-White, Senior Performance Improvement Director here at Vizient, and your host for today's episode. Remote patient monitoring, which is commonly referred to as RPM, is a type of telehealth in which healthcare providers monitor patients outside the traditional care setting using digital medical devices such as weight scales, blood pressure monitors, pulse oximeters, and blood post meters. The data collected from these devices are then electronically transferred to providers for care management. Automated feedback and workflows can be built into data collection and out-of-range values or concerning readings can be flagged and then addressed by patients' care teams. In a past episode, we discussed RPM technology, but today we'll discuss building relationships to help drive referrals for remote patient monitoring programs. Joining me is Steve Kropp, Director of Telehealth, and Jacob Finke, Remote Patient Monitoring Nurse Supervisor from the University of Kansas Health System. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. So first off, tell us a little bit about your remote patient monitoring program at the University of Kansas Health System. One of the things we start with the inception of our program and relationship to how we began looking at an RPM model, as we looked at the number of chronic patients that continue to add up within most health systems across the nation, we wanted to try to find a way that would be able to address those issues when they're not at the hospital. So we began to do some evaluations of programs across the nation. And as we did, we began to see that they were able to move the compass needle in areas like repeat readmissions and chronic patients that have frequent visits to health systems. So we thought, okay, we want to try to look at what that would look like at KU. We began to work with other providers within the system and found what's typically called a physician champion or two. And from that inception of that idea, then a whole work team was assembled around what we call an R3 within our system to activate resources. And as those resources were activated, each element of our health system began to see and build a consensus around the idea of having remote patient monitoring as a part of our patient care plan. One of the things that I want my nurse supervisor of the program to share the specific clinical pieces that we identified early on that contribute to our RPM program. Early on, we decided we wanted to focus on COPD, heart failure, diabetes, and hypertension using those peripheral devices at home so we can send patients scales, blood pressure monitors, pulse oximeters, and glucometers. Depending on what your diagnosis is, you use a combination of those. Our particular vendor receive a tablet that they can use to answer survey questions depending on their diagnosis. Also has education available on that tablet. Patients are also able to opt into using their own smart device if they would choose to do so. They use those devices every day at home in our program for about 90 days, sometimes a little bit longer than that, just depending on need. We can continue to follow their day-to-day trends and get in touch with their doctor. We started in primary care at the health system. We felt that that was the best place for us to start in making those connections with providers. And we've begun a couple pilot programs in different areas. Pulmonary, we're working on oncology and neurology and OB. And we've been able to work with some pharmacists as well, some PharmDs. One thing I'd add into that scenario is that it seems that as this technology continues to expand, that it's the right thing to do for chronic patients, that it gives them a little higher level of confidence in managing their own care. And I think it encourages them to take ownership of their own care, too. That was the broad base for the inception of our telehealth and RPM program here at KU. I totally agree with you that it can be impactful for those with chronic conditions. We know it can be challenging to start up an RPM program. So what barriers have you had to overcome? Barriers are something that exists in every business place. Sometimes you can scale those barriers quickly. Sometimes they're a little more difficult. One of the first barriers was to start the conversation with our executive team. They're very busy people. They've got so many things coming at them. 
We have a really good process that from a production line, employee status, if you've got a really good idea and you are confident that it's something that can improve patient care or improve efficiency, you can submit what's called an R3. That R3 helps break down a lot of those barriers because it requires the person who submits that R3 to go through a particular process to look at the financial situation, the legal situation, the patient impact, patient safety, long-term situation around how that program will impact our care at KU. By doing that, you start out by mitigating a lot of those barriers that may exist later on. Now, there were still barriers for technology, patient engagement, physician engagement. Those are all things that we had to scale, but those were some of the things that were early on. From a clinical standpoint, Jacob, what can you think of that were barriers that you had to scale? Provider buy-in. We got 10 or so providers at the beginning that were interested in RPM to join the cause. We were able to teach them about what RPM was and get several of their patients involved and start small and work through some of the kinks in the program. From there, getting more and more providers into the program and to enroll patients was a big barrier. We were able to work with our marketing team, which was huge, making print media, handouts that could go in clinics, flyers that patients could see or that providers could hand out to patients, getting the word out in our physician newsletter so that any provider at the health system would see what RPM was and could get involved. But something that we found was wonderful in getting providers involved was virtual happy hours or virtual open houses that we held. All primary care providers at the health system were invited to three different meetings. They were on different dates, different times that we thought that they would be able to attend. I ran a quick meeting. The meeting was scheduled for an hour. The presentation was only 10 minutes. And as more and more providers would come in, we would answer questions at the end and then start again, which I felt was a really great way to get providers involved. And part of what was so successful in those happy hours was the presentation included how providers could get involved on that day, how they could go back to a patient they saw earlier in that day and place a referral and start enrolling their patients into RPM, which was huge. It sounds like you've done a lot around building relationships. Is there anything besides the happy hours that you've done to help increase the referrals to your RPM program? The best thing that came from those happy hours was creating those connections with providers. And then those providers are able to get you in front of other groups. Because of those happy hours, we were able to present early on to a readmission steering committee and start presenting some of the data that we had gained regarding readmission data in our program, which is huge. Everybody at our organization is interested in reducing readmission, so it's something that everyone can get on board with. And we're able to make some more connections there. And then past that, one of our providers, actually a pair of them, are creating a hypertension care pathway at the health system. What that would be is if a patient has a hypertension diagnosis here at the health system, they would follow the same care pathway and be offered the same tools in order to get their blood pressure under control. Because we knew the right people, remote patient monitoring was something that was brought up and now is a first-line opportunity. You know, if patients qualify for RPM, then they're really pushing for those providers to place that referral, which only helped us. And then past that, I would just say case-by-case interactions. As you continue to have great patient outcomes, I have patients that will go to see their doctor and clinic while they're in the program and they speak highly of the program, which I really appreciate. I'll get a really nice message in an in-basket message in our EMR saying, this patient really loves the program. They were talking about how much benefit they're gaining from it or how much they enjoy interacting with you, which really warms my heart. Even if a single patient is telling a provider, hey, we had a really great time in remote patient monitoring, that provider is going to be more likely to place more referrals and get more of their patients involved. That's great. And I agree with you. Creating connections is definitely key for this. You mentioned a little bit about marketing. Can you tell us any more about your marketing strategy that you've helped develop? 
in relationship to how KU coordinates the administrative side of marketing. Try to engage them in that R3. They're a significant part of the whole development piece. So instead of building a program and then coming back and saying, oh, by the way, we want you guys to promote this, they've seen some of the building blocks from the beginning. That's very helpful in the way that you roll this out so that they're not coming in at the very last minute and saying, okay, how can we sell this to someone? It's more of a way that you can educate someone about the process. The strategy itself has been very grassroots level. Most of what we've done has been focused toward our provider population. And I'm not just talking about physicians either. That's where a lot of folks have a misnomer. If you approach the physicians and get them engaged, you're going to win. But at least in our organization, that nurses have a huge impact on the direction that those physicians or those providers turn when it comes to providing additional services beyond their clinic. We also set aside time for Jacob and some other folks from our RPM program to meet individually and collectively with nursing groups and clinic groups in their huddles. Once we did that, we began to identify additional resources within the health system who kind of caught on the idea. And it's like anything else. If you just sow that seed and allow folks to think about it a little bit, there'll be a harvest down the road. Jacob has done a great job as far as the communication. Past work on an inpatient side and knowing a lot of those departments, knowing a lot of those folks that were discharged from the health system going into an outpatient role, maybe was beneficial. Is my right or wrong in that? And definitely right. Yeah. Knowing people is always better than not knowing people. I have found that you can talk and talk about whatever you're promoting, but for us, remote patient monitoring through print media and the newsletter and these happy hours and making connections with providers, and you'll still find somebody at your organization that has not heard of remote patient monitoring yet. You'll wonder how they haven't, but that's just our organization is big. I never take it personally just to say that you have to keep and keep and keep putting it out in front of providers. But we know that it takes several weeks to build habits. With some of our early on providers, they are in the habit of placing that referral and the providers that are maybe they've placed one referral, but then they forget about it over time. So just trying to keep re-engaging with that same group to try to drive up engagement. Courtney, there's another element to this. It's going to sound very odd to mention our EMR in relationship to marketing, but our EMR gives us opportunities in so many ways to help promote and socialize what's going on with our RPM program. Whereas if physicians are engaged and they're seeing what's happening in the screens that they have options for on their EMR, then that opportunity for a remote patient monitoring referral is more top of mind. We do a lot of education with our providers once they get on board. Jacob coordinates a meeting every Wednesday morning at 7.30 with our provider teams. We invite everybody that's referred patients in. I mean, we've got an invitation list that's fairly extensive. And as new providers begin to refer patients, we invite them in. And they have a chance to provide direct feedback. It's going to the source, allowing them to provide feedback, and then sharing with them some of the new updates that we're bringing to the program as we go. So I think that's another way that we're socializing and shopping that information around about RPM. That's great. I think these are some really great insights. So let's shift a little bit from kind of that internal relationship building and talk a little bit about how do you actually get patients to agree to sign up for RPM? It can be difficult. Early on, we were not getting that referral stream from providers. I was doing a lot of cold calls based off of a list of patients that we had and found that because most of our patients were Medicare age and unfortunately are often getting scam calls because they hadn't heard of remote patient monitoring yet, some of them were distrustful of me or they thought, well, I didn't talk to my provider about it. I'd rather have them be the one that's recommending it to me. So we had about a 40% success conversion rate on getting those patients into the program as opposed to patients that were referred by their provider. Their provider talked to them in clinic about remote patient monitoring. They were the one that suggested it, told them, hey, I'm putting in this referral. You're going to get a call from a nurse in a few days. And then they're expecting that call from me. They're already primed. They're already thinking about it. 
they're given the handout both either physically and we also have that same handout program so that it's printed off in their after visit summary at the end of that visit so they can be reading up on it before I ever even call them. And then past that, once you are on the phone with the patient, there are many things that may keep a patient from wanting to participate and just understanding the program well enough to be able to talk through some of those issues. Some people say, I'm not very good with technology and I'm not sure that this is right for me. Kind of offering some reassurance. Thankfully, our vendor has a 24-7 tech support line. That's huge for patients. And also to let them know that whenever they're first setting up their equipment, there is a virtual installation line that they call through our vendor as well. And they walk them through the process of making sure that each peripheral is connected via Bluetooth and that we're receiving that data, how to get in contact with 24-7 support. There's a lot of tabs on the tablet of education and the peripherals. It's not incredibly complicated, but if you're not used to using an iPad or a tablet, it might be new to you. So just reassuring them in that way. Another piece is finances. Sometimes money is tight for patients. And so hearing that there's a 20 to $30 copay sometimes keeps them from wanting to participate. I have found that if patients have secondary insurance, 99% of the time that secondary payer is going to cover the cost of the copay, which is huge, and being able to reassure that patient that it's going to come at no cost to you. My best advice is just trying to be understanding. I say it's only for three months, so you're only going to be doing these copayments for three months so that they don't think that it's going to just be forever. I'm going to be handing you guys $20 a month but also trying to motivate them to be the steward of their own health and guiding them in the right direction. I had a patient once that I thought I was getting a no from. He said, finances are tight, but I think my life is worth a $20 to $30 copay a month. I really loved that. Those are the main things that I think keep patients from wanting to participate. The last thing I'll say is that sometimes patients, whenever I say, you know, this is going to last 90 days, they say, planning on going on vacation next month or the holidays are coming up. I just don't know that I'll be able to do it every day. Being understanding and letting them know if you miss a day here or there, it's not a big deal. If you're going out of town, you can let me know and we can put things on pause. You don't have to take it with you. But also letting patients know something that I say a lot. It's usually older men, nothing against you, Steve. It's usually <laughs> older men that say something along the lines of, well, what if I get it and I don't want to do it anymore? And I say, you sign a consent, but you're not signing anything that says I'm agreeing to participate for the entirety of the 90 days. If you get it and in two weeks you don't want to do it anymore, you can call me and we can have it picked up. Never have I had one of those patients after two weeks say, I'm done. I think most patients find that once they get the equipment, it's pretty easy to use. You're using it once a day you can fit it into your routine pretty easily. So it's not as big of an impact on their lives as they think it's going to be in terms of day-to-day -day time commitment. You know, Courtney, I was getting ready to talk about Jacob's three-time Daisy Award winner, <laughs> his ability to connect with patients, <laughs> his ability to go from a clinical setting to a forward-facing setting in our health system and doing a really good job. Maybe that old comment was too far. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, we know some clinicians are very good in the lab, but they struggle sometimes in connecting with people and their people skills. It's good if you're building a telehealth program or RPM program to find those clinicians who has that ability to understand the clinical side, but then also has the skill set to be able to connect with people where they are. That's another way that we've been able to scale some of the friction points in getting patients to gain a level of trust with us in our RPM program. These are all really great examples. Steve, you just hit on something that we can dive into a little bit deeper. How do you build that relationship and trust once the patients start the program? That's really important. If a patient has, for instance, a high blood pressure, they're expecting a call. 
we make sure that they know up front this isn't 24-7 monitoring. It's not emergency assistance. They still need to have the wherewithal to go to the emergency room or urgent care or call their provider to make an appointment and stuff like that. But they do come to expect a call. And so a lot of times when patients' blood pressure is high, I'll give them a call and the phone call will start with something like, I knew you were going to call me today. Being there for them in that moment does build trust up over time. In our vendor portal, there's also a note section, and I like to leave myself notes so I know if they have an appointment coming up or even if they tell me something like, I went to Hawaii last week or something like that, just writing myself little notes to keep track of all these little things and jog my memory and be able to be personable with these patients. I do start to hear more and more as patients continue on in the program. I feel so much safer knowing that somebody's watching these numbers. I'm so happy that you're calling me, that I know somebody's watching. I do think that it's a sense of relief sometimes for patients to be able to have that connection or direct connection to me. If they have a question about their blood pressure, instead of having to call their clinic and talk to a nurse that maybe they know, maybe they don't know, they can call me and we can talk through it and they know that I can get in touch with their provider. Another thing is the fact that we can do these minimal med adjustments slowly over time. Something that I use to sell, going back to selling the program up front, is telling patients this could keep you from being readmitted to the hospital. This could keep you from having to go into as many clinic appointments, which is a huge selling point for a lot of these people. But then delivering on that, if there is a med adjustment that we're doing, maybe the doctor wants an update in two weeks and they wouldn't be able to get that if they weren't in remote patient monitoring. But we have that day-to-day data to be able to go back to the provider and say, hey, I think they're on the right dose. Are you sure you don't want to change anything else? Or maybe getting them on a new med or deciding, hey, it would be best if they do come into an appointment. But delivering on what you're selling up front patient on the fact that the program can help them, really making sure that you're keeping that close follow-up and you're providing those good patient outcomes for patients as well. That's great. I agree with you about being able to have access to a nurse, especially as we know that most clinics and practices are experiencing a huge amount of access constraints and issues. So being able to get a hold of a caregiver or care provider is key. So that's really great insight. All right, we're running out of time here. It's always a joy to get to talk to both of you. But one final question, what advice do you have for other health systems who are just starting or looking to start an RPM program? One from an administrative standpoint is do your homework. Find out what type of culture exists at your health system and what appetite they have for new programs, especially programs that are a little non-traditional. Using virtual care in a way that helps keep patients out of the facility Sometimes you have to make sure that that matches with your overall culture and the strategy that you have. The other piece is developing a dialogue with your executives about RPM. Telehealth in general leads to a good conversation about how to use technology and meet patients where they are. COVID was a great springboard for virtual care across this nation. We're able to capitalize on that by helping chronic patients who maybe have a desire to manage their care more specifically at home. And with the folks like Jacob and others that are able to support them, they're able to make that. And then the last one, just put your work boots on. It takes a lot to get this program lifted up off the ground from a clinical, administrative, marketing, finance, legal, all those pieces. Just put your work boots on. And if it's a goal that you have, it's attainable. I would encourage you. Jacob, any thoughts? Yeah. If you're clinical and remote patient monitoring, understand what your KPIs are, what your goals are, and be able to find a way to get that data. Data and feedback from patients is huge in being able to promote, market your program, whether it's to patients, to providers, or to your leadership. And the success and the longevity of your program is dependent on the fact that those good patient outcomes are there. 
we mentioned RPM is the right thing to do for patients, but you have to be able to prove that it is effective at your organization, whether it's readmission data or just patient quotes, these transient moments where something great happens for a patient because RPM was involved. Those are all wonderful things to me, making sure that you're capitalizing to be able to present this wonderful picture of what RPM is and could be at your organization. All right, everyone. So it's time to get your work boots on per Steve. <laughs> So that's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. I'd like to thank Steve and Jacob for speaking with us today. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join us. And please look for future Knowledge on the Go podcasts. For Vizian's PI programs team, I'm Courtney for a white. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments at pi collaboratives at vizianinc.com. 